We all know monsters aren't real. Or at least that's what we tell ourselves. And then something comes along that shakes you to your very core. Something so evil, so unexplainable, so sinister that you can't even begin to believe its reality. I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on The Real Crime Podcast, we will be telling you about a home that stands vacant as a gruesome memorial to those that once inhabited it and called it home. Today, we'll be telling you about the murders of Shanann, Celeste, and Bella Watts. I'm going to go ahead and do just kind of a blanket trigger warning on this one because two of the victims are children. Young children. Young children. And it's pretty gruesome. We're going to share some details. So if it's not something that you can handle, you may want to just skip until next week. But actually, we're not going to have an episode next week because I will be so on vacation. If you can't handle it, you'll have to wait two weeks. Exactly. So Sorry. you'll just have to like take a nap. And... You can start over episode one. Absolutely. Re-listen. See how we've grown tremendously from the beginning anyway i hope you guys are good this week because this is about to be a major bummer in your world but i'm sure some of you if are... you haven't already heard of exactly it. i'm sure some of you are familiar with this case uh because it's it's a pretty well-known one it's really well, really it's current recent. yeah exactly and there's like 500 documentaries oh my gosh oh my gosh absolutely uh all of the podcasts have covered it literally now you know we just figured it was our turn so we'd go for it but yeah it's it's also one that was tough to research I'm sure you felt the exact same thing yeah and I it just you know it it makes me wonder what goes on through people's minds and stuff like that and there's so many so many questions with this I remember when I first watched uh, what was, it was a, the documentary on Netflix. I now can't remember what like it's called. Like the American murder yeah. or something like the, that. Yeah. yeah um, no, it's going to bother me. I'll look it up while we start talking. But when I first watched that, I just remember my reaction to the end of it was, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Total, totally crazy. Totally just, crazy. It kind of shook my head a little bit. I was like, I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, it's it's... It's really one of those cases where in researching it, I kept going through the details in my head and I'm like, well, there must be something that I missed. There must be something that I need to figure out. But then it's one of those like, no, you know, this is just one of those situations that we will never understand. And we we just have to accept that, unfortunately, which is which is crazy. So let's get into it. But also. Yeah. The name of the documentary is American Murder, The Family Next Door. I knew it was American yeah. something. Yeah. Okay, cool. 
I think you even said American murder. I was like, no, Did that I? doesn't sound right. Who says <laughs> <laughs> American something? I don't know. Anyway, so this is something we've talked about before. So what do you think when, you know, you text a friend and they don't get back to you? I mean, usually nothing immediately. Mm, I panic. Kristen panics. But I'm like, all right, she's busy. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) she's busy. And, you know, we all set our phones down. I do that all the time. I'll set my phone down. I'll get distracted. And, you know, but when it goes past that sort of normal time frame. Yeah. I think we all kind of panic a little bit and we have this sort of list of things like we reach out to a partner. Like, did they go someplace and forget their phone? You know, are they in a conference and their phones shut off? Like, what are the circumstances? Contact their parents, their their spouse, whomever it may be. And that's exactly what Nicole did when she couldn't get a hold of her dear friend, Shanann Watts. So, Shanann was an accomplished woman who actually custom-built her first home at the age of 25. And that home was like a mansion. I know. I know. Uh, Rachel and I, when we watched that uh, Netflix special, they showed the the home slash mansion. Right. And we were like, what? Yeah. that That's your humble house that you built? At 25. That's crazy. And it's nuts because, like, she doesn't come from money. So, it's not like somebody gave her a down payment or something right. like that. She just, like, scrimped and saved and worked her butt off and got there. And I'm just like, holy macaroni. Like, that's crazy. Way more accomplished than I was at 25. I mean, at 25, I was, like, really, really hoping that my underwear was on right side out. You so <laughs> I have to say probably more accomplished than I am at 32. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we've rebuilt the home that we live in, but that's because we bought a hunk of junk. So <laughs> anyway, so, you know, she's she's got this live in the dream sort of experience. And then she kind of hit this bump in the road when she was diagnosed with lupus. Now, lupus is an autoimmune disorder for anyone who's not familiar with it. And you looked like you were about to say something. She was also going through a divorce. Right. So she was married. She was going through a divorce. And she just, her life kind of dove into the shadows. It wasn't doing well. And then she met this knight in shining armor, her dream man, Chris Watts. So Chris was attractive. He was charming. And he was equally as hardworking. And they actually met through a random Facebook request. And so... I've always kind of, like, when it comes to family annihilators, which is what we're discussing today, my ex, my ex-husband's name is, is Chris, and we met online and, like, through a social media platform that I think still exists today. It's MySpace. I don't, I don't know if it does. I think it does, but it's, like, a music platform or oh. something. But I'm old, so that's how we met, and uh, it was random, and... He has, like, all of the telltale signs, including the name Chris, of family annihilators. Of being a crazy person. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, I really dodged a bullet on that one, didn't I? <laughs> I was like, I'm so happy it to be sitting here. Has. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's besides the point. So they, they met through this random Facebook request. And I, I'm not even sure if, like, they knew each other or if they were just local and she popped up or what happened. They never really go into that. It's just that he sent her a request and she's like, she, sure, I think cute. she didn't accept at first. And then the second time or something, she saw that they had a mutual friend. So she accepted or something. Guess, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
they started talking and one thing led to another then boom they're married right exactly and like apparently he kept pursuing her and he's like this this is it like right I'm well, interested. she was going through all the treatments for lupus right and right so she was in a really hard patch in her life he was just there for her mm-hmm. and wouldn't leave exactly <laughs> exactly wouldn't leave not in a bad way right right and i mean match made in heaven right but we've also heard that story before so they married in 2012 but by 2015 the couple had filed for bankruptcy the couple made about 90,000 a year but between car and mortgage payments it was just too much and i find that interesting just because Shanann had done and accomplished so much on her own. But, you know, she also went through a divorce. She had medical bills, all of these other things that had cropped up that oh, she never had probably, before. You know, we were because they it, it was a lot of debt that they had. It was right. It was like half a million dollars. Right. Right. Which I, I don't understand how you get there. Right. Um, but I guess, yeah, with all the medical medical bills, bills. that would make sense. I didn't think about that. I, neither was neither was I. I was thinking about because they really stress like the mortgage payment and the car payment. And right. I was like, okay, well, you know, can you trade in your car and get a cheaper car? You know what I mean? Like, but how does that add up to almost five hundred thousand dollars in, in debt? debt? Right. That's exactly. Like a, that's a lot of money. Right. Because it's more not, than a car, more than a house. Yeah. More it, than all that put together. It's not like you need to pay. Plus, they were sued by their HOA company and stuff, like the or the HOA uh, for their. Yeah. Development, their housing development. I should know these words. It's fine. I'm good. Um, But anyway, so things kind of started to turn around a little bit. And by the summer of 2018, they, um, Shanann was 34, Chris was 33, and they had two daughters, Bella and Celeste, who were four and three, respectively. And things seemed to have normalized a little bit for them. Shanann was... I know I said her name wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shanann was thrilled to like I read my own notes and I don't know I wrote it funny. Shanann was thrilled to announce to the world that she was pregnant with a little boy as well. She actually first shared the news with Chris on June 11th of 2018, and she actually wore a shirt that said "Oops, I oops we did it again." Oh, and I just think cute. that's so adorable. Yeah. Absolutely. So I do want to note that um, so. She worked for a company called Thrive, and it is kind of like a pyramidy company um, where, you know, you're trying to sell a product to all like of your friends and family. MLM. Yeah. Multi-level marketing. Yeah. Right. So she had a huge social media presence. Literally everything that happened in their life was on her Facebook page. And I just, Rachel and I were thinking about it, and I just can't imagine always having the phone in your hand recording literally every moment of your life and how frustrating that must have been for him who was like in the background not he was not a so he was the introvert completely and she i mean they have so much footage in the documentaries it's crazy because she recorded everything she She recorded him finding out that she was pregnant which is weird because his reaction i mean he was like oh wow I was like, oh, really? That's awesome. But, like, you can tell he's not super thrilled. Right. He's like, oh, I wasn't expecting to have another baby. I would not have put that online. No. No. Not in a million years. There's also another video of, it was Christmas time, I'm assuming. Um, He's dressed up as Santa. Yes. And he rings the doorbell, and she's like, 
she's recording and she goes, oh, Santa's here. And then she opens the door. She said, Santa, where's your phone? Yeah. And he's like, in the garage? Yeah. And she goes, oh, I really wanted it. Like, she gets pissy with him. And I right, was like, she wanted to record on his phone, too. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. She's dressed up as Santa for the kids. Right, and right, then right. He, she, he comes in, sits down, and she goes, Santa, where is your phone in the garage? And he was like, on top of your car? And she goes, stay here. I guess I'll go get it. And then, like, she's walking away, holding the video, talking about, I have to do everything around here. Like, I'm a single parent. Like, um, not really. Your husband's currently dressed up as Santa for your girls. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Just because he doesn't have his phone. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, obviously, we're not in any way trying to. Oh, this is not victim blaming. Right. And anyway, that's how it's coming across. I just want to share like their life, their life and how it's very easy to find. Right, 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 right. And it's it's definitely one of those circumstances where I think once we get more into it, you can absolutely see where, okay, maybe he was unhappy. Maybe he didn't want to be in the relationship anymore. Divorce was an option. Right, exactly. But his actions are not that of a sane, stable no. person by any means. And, like, sure, relationships hit rough patches. And it's tough to be online all the time and have that type of social media presence when you're an introvert who doesn't want people to see your life, you know? Right. And yeah. she was completely not an introvert herself. So right. I don't right. think that she understood kind of, you know, his, his perspective right. sort of thing. She was just like, yeah. this is what we're doing. Why aren't you happy about it? Right, 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 right. So they have, you know, this This was their chance to have a baby boy, going back to that. And interestingly enough, Chris was not enthusiastic. And it was kind of about this time that he started up a side hobby, which we'll get to. By July, there definitely appeared to be you know, at least to Shanann's friends, that there was a bit of trouble brewing between the couple. Definitely the marital bliss was kind of over things. So at this point, they were together for eight years. Yes, they've been together for eight years. And she's complaining to a lot of her friends like, oh, my God, we haven't had sex in X number of weeks. And he must be getting it somewhere else. And oh, my God. And I'm just like, ah, preach, honey. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then in August... Shanann left the home in Colorado for a work trip in Arizona. So we're we're all within the span of like three months at this point, right? From the announcement of the birth until, or not the birth, excuse me, the pregnancy to August. Right. So before she went to Arizona, though, yes, she left for six weeks. Yes. To yes. North Carolina, North or South? North Carolina. North Carolina, where her family and Chris's family lived. Um. So she was there for five weeks without Chris. He right. said he couldn't go because of work. Right. And we will get to what he was doing in those five weeks. But Absolutely. he was very so busy. Very, she, very busy. Yeah. So she um, was there with the two kids. So he was basically like living the alone. bachelor life for right. six weeks. And he wasn't really responsive to her. Um, like he never called on his own to say hi to the girls right. or anything. You know, he was he never initiated contact to them. Right. Um, he so, seemed distracted. Right. And yeah. she was getting annoyed with that. And then when he arrived on the sixth week, they pick um, the girls and Shanann pick him up at the airport. And it's not like a as happy of a like greeting yeah. as you would think. Yeah. Um, because, of course, that's all being filmed as well. Of course. Well, and what's funny is, like, I just think about the fact that 
if Cozy and I go away for like two days and we come back, like Cole is like running out the front door to like scoop her out of the car because he's so excited to see her and he's so excited to see me. He obviously doesn't scoop me up because that would be weird. Um, But it's there's so much enthusiasm, right. you know, like he's so invested in it. So this was weird. This was definitely right. weird. And prior to his arrival in North Carolina, there had been an issue with his parents and Shanann. Mm-hmm. Now, his parents and Shanann did not get along. Mm-mm. His parents did not even attend their wedding no. because they were very much against him marrying her. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought she was too bossy and domineering for him. Um, I mean, that's a little extreme in my opinion. Right. Um, you can still support your son, but right. I guess not. Um, so it was Cece's, Celeste's birthday, I think. While they were there, um, and or they were at a birthday party, and there were there was a treat purchased for it. I can't remember if it was a cake or ice cream. I think it was ice cream. Ice cream. Because she they were has making, a lot of oh, allergies. Cookies. Yeah, she's allergic to like any nuts. tree nuts and that kind of stuff. So all of her allergens were in this ice cream that the grandmother Chris's mom had purchased for Celeste. Right for the girls, and there was. Um, a huge argument. Shanann was very upset about it, confronted the mom right. and as I would too. Like if if my mother or mother-in-law bought you know, I to be I don't think she did it maliciously. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. she could have just absent-mindedly purchased right. something. Yeah, that's fair because she's not buying groceries for them all the time. Right. Okay. Um, but either way, I mean, their relationships, the strain in that was weird to me yeah. to begin with, but um, Shanann's trying, like, you, there are text messages between the two where she's, like, to, towards Chris. Yeah. Um, Please fix this. You need to tell your dad that he can't speak to me that way or they can't speak to me that way. They can't be doing these things. And Chris is like, yeah, basically, I'll get to it. Yeah. And then doesn't. Right. So um, in a text message exchange between Shanann and her best friend, um, she thinks that's, that's where the strain in her relationship with Chris is coming from. From the... the, the- from, the poor relationship with his parents. Right. Because she's like, this is when that started. When the weirdness started. And it was also kind of at the beginning of their travels to right. North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. So we fast forward. Yep. He joins them. They have an okay trip. They go home. They Shanann have a leaves great her, yeah. talk, right? That yes. was before she leaves. They, yep. uh Shanann and Chris, when they get home, they have a talk. And basically they're like, they decide that they're going to work it out. Right. Um, she leaves him a really long handwritten note before she leaves mm-hmm. for Arizona. Mm-hmm. And it was, it started out, my dearest Chris. I don't remember any part of it. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but basically it's, it was like, I'm glad that we talked it out. Um, I will do anything for you and this marriage. Yeah. She really wanted to make it work. Right. Like 100%. I think they... It seemed after that talk that they both wanted to make it work and they were both invested in making it work, at least from Shanann's perspective. Right. Now, on the trip home from Arizona, um, Nicole, who is Shanann's best friend, gives her a ride back to the house when they're they're coming back from Arizona. I think she was also on the, the business trip as yeah, well. Yeah, I think they both do the Thrive. The Thrive thing, thing. yeah. So, the, you know, at this point, 
Shanann is just kind of like, oh, I think things are turning around. And she's gushing about how excited she is for her baby boy, Nico, and how she has a doctor's appointment the next morning and she gets to hear his heartbeat. And that's her favorite thing. They're just having this wonderful conversation. She gets, uh, you know, she gets dropped off at the house at 2 a.m. At 2 a.m. The next morning, uh, which is this is, you know, August 13th, 2018. Chris left for work and seemingly everything's normal. But then when Nicole tried to get in touch with Shanann, she got no response. Shanann, who works from home and had just been seen by Nicole around 2 a.m. in the morning, should have been home, phoned by her side, but she wasn't responding. So Nicole reached out to Chris and he just responded, you know, she had a play date and that didn't sit right. I mean, he should have probably known that she had a doctor's appointment. Right. Not so, a play date. Exactly. So then Shanann's friend, Nicole, contacts Shanann's doctor's office and they say, well, she no-showed this morning. Now, Nicole had just spoken to her about how excited she was to have that doctor's appointment. So the idea that she just wouldn't go to it is absolutely crazy. Also... From someone who works at a doctor's office, right? it's a little crazy that they told a random stranger that she right. no-showed an appointment. Technically, no. you're not even supposed to say that you they know that person. an appointment. Exactly. It's like, we can't disclose <laughs> like, that information. You can't say that that's your patient. It's The only thing I can imagine is maybe like they knew her too. Or right. She'd maybe she'd in. gone before. Exactly. She'd been in at appointments. And maybe she said, like, look. I was just like, wait, what? Right. Like, and she's That's like, what got me out of the whole case. It, it, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, too, had this moment of, like, damn. Like, really? You just, like, crossed that HIPAA border, that headline, and it was like, yeah. And that's the only thing I can think of is they, like, she knew someone at the front desk or maybe they had, like, a mutual friend or she'd been in or said, hey, I'm really worried because I can't get in touch with my friend. Did she show up for a, right. her appointment that she had today? So, yeah. So, finally, Nicole reaches out to Shanann's parents and calls the police to do a welfare check at the house, as there's no response at the door. There's no signs of life, and yet Shanann's car was in the driveway, and the car seats were in it. So, it's not like someone came by and picked them up with the girls. So, Chris gets to the house really oddly calm. He goes right up to the police officer, shakes his hand. Like, hey. Not rushing at all. I'm Chris. Here we are. He's in, like, flip-flops, sunglasses on his head, like, super cash. And casual. I'm sorry. Thank you. You're welcome. And I just think about if no one could get in touch with, you know, my wife and kids that were missing, I think I'd kind of be freaking out a little bit. Also... Chris could have given verbal permission over the phone for the cop to enter his house. Right. Um, which he did not. Right. He made them wait till he got there. And he goes through the garage, opens the garage door, and then the police officer and um, the friend Nicole and Nicole's son are all standing outside waiting for him. And he just takes his time moseying through the garage, goes just to open the rolling. front door. And then they just all walk in, and he's not, like, rushing around the house or anything looking for her. 
the police officer is the one going through every room looking just to make sure she's not, you know, passed out somewhere. Right, right. And she, like, they, they double check to make sure she didn't have, like, diabetes. She couldn't have had, like, low blood sugar, which right. can totally happen during pregnancy. Right. Like, your blood sugars can go crazy. And she did have a lot of other health issues. So Nicole seems to be the one with a sense of urgency. She rushes to the kitchen counter, sees Shanann's purse there with all of Shanann's medication right. in in the purse she walks around she sees that the car seats are still in the car and so she couldn't have just thrown the girls into another car and gone someplace or been picked up by someone and i think in something kind of bizarre and telling chris walks out of one of the bed like of their Their shared bedroom and he's doesn't say anything, but he's got her wedding ring. <laughs> so bizarre. On the tip of his finger. And he's just like, well, you know, like, looks like she took the kids and she left me. Like, is she, he doesn't say that, <laughs> but that's sort of his attitude. Like, well, we should stop worrying because she's fine. And she probably did this on purpose. And everybody's like, yeah, that doesn't say that to any of us. Right. Like, there's something wrong here. So the police start canvassing the neighborhood, trying to get some information. The next door neighbor luckily had some. Yes. So he had a video a video surveillance camera in the front of his house. And interestingly, that video footage that they are watching with Chris. Who is standing there super fidgety. Yeah. Rocking back and forth Won't while they're watching swaying. this. And he's talking everyone's little ears off right which is explaining every move that he's making on the video like footage which is just of his truck pulling Mm -hmm. into the backing into the driveway and he walks by a couple of times Mm -hmm. and then he takes off this is like 5 15 in the morning or something yeah and just to note the neighbor who's known him for a good chunk of time since they've lived in the house says hey guess what he's never backed his truck up to the garage before yeah so they the police officer like dismisses Chris, he leaves right. the house, and then right. the police officer comes back to speak to the neighbor because obviously the neighbor's got some shit to say. Right, and the neighbor doesn't even wait for the police officer to say anything. He just said he's acting weird. Which, he's acting like there's something wrong with him. Right, he's and then acting the police strange. officer's like, "Well, his wife and children are missing, so it's it's a weird situation," which could be true. Of I course. mean, I would be acting not normal. I'd probably be fidgety too, but right. like in a different kind of fidgety right. way. But I the neighbor's like, yeah, but also he doesn't do, like, he never backs his truck in to he load never, his He doesn't truck. talk that much. He, yeah. He's yeah. oversharing. Plus, there was no footage on that camera of Shanann and the two girls leaving the house. Right. So. They left somehow because they weren't in the house anymore. But somehow they they were never seen physically walking out of the house. So it's all kind of very odd. Then the media shows up, of course, they get involved, and there's this infamous front porch interview, and this is that moment where you would expect a grieving, panicked father and husband to beg for the safe return of his children and wife, but instead, he's borderline smirking. It, it was a really weird, I don't want to say response, but just the way that he was acting. He's just, like the whole was, time, he's just acting like a... It was like weird, nervous, giggling. Like, they, they showed a still frame of him on the front porch, 
And he's got like a half smile on his face and he's standing there like, I don't know, like someone just took a, a random snapshot of him. It's not, it doesn't seem like it should be part of a video. Right. He's not panicked at all. Right. Right. It's weird. It's weird. So anyway, the police get curious about him for good reason. And they bring him in and they say, hey, we want you to take a polygraph test. And he does. And this is after sitting down and talking to him. And he's like, oh, no, you know, uh, let me tell you, this is this is what has been going on with us. There were no no trouble in paradise. Everything's been fine. No, I've never had an affair of any kind. Actually, I just lost like a ton of weight. I used to be over 200 pounds and I've really slimmed down and gotten myself in shape. He's like having this conversation with the police really talking himself up, which I found like a unique reaction. (laughs) Exactly. And so he has just this, this, I, I I don't know. Something's not right. So they say, we're, we're going to have you take a polygraph. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So they start the polygraph and just a few minutes into the polygraph, the, the person who was administering the test actually says, okay, I'm going to need you to like relax your breathing. Right. You need to breathe a little more more normally. Exactly. Cause he, he like forgot how to breathe for a period of time while he was doing this. I mean, sometimes I forget how to breathe Mm -hmm. and I have to remind myself. It literally happens to all of us. And I have to say, if I was getting a polygraph test, I I would probably not be breathing normally. No. No, I'd probably be all over the place. But this was so apparent that she had to, like, stop what she was doing. She's like, you're and, like, throwing off the test so and much, she's sir. like, you need to calm down. <laughs> so that's never really, I, I don't think, a good way to start a polygraph. Yeah, probably not. So they basically say, hey, you failed the polygraph. And then they bring his father into the room. Yeah, he asks. To speak to his father. Now, right. just a little history. Chris and his father were super close growing up. Like, they were best friends. And they still are super close. So, this isn't, like, strange that he would want his father there. Right, right. So, they bring his father into the room. And he confesses. Sort of. He killed them. But. Nope, he killed her. Right. In a sick, sick, twisted way, he claims that he killed her because his wife, Shanann, killed the girls. And so in a rage, he killed her. But why would you pretend nothing happened? Why would you? Why wouldn't you call the cops? Immediately. Anyway. Why wouldn't you try to resuscitate? Where are they? Right, right. They're still not in the house. Right. And then you pretended like nothing happened at all. And meanwhile, all three of them are just dead somewhere. But right. where? Right. So then a new bombshell is dropped when, remember Chris, who's never had an affair? His new hobby shows up. <laughs> uh, Chris's girlfriend. Her name's Nikki. Uh, yep. <laughs> her, her name is Nikki. Uh, Nikki Kessinger, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember the last name. So she shows up to kind of come clean. And interestingly enough, their affair started in June, which was the exact same month that Shanann found out she was pregnant and told him she was pregnant. So in one day, in one single day, 
Chris both led investigators to his wife and daughter's bodies, and his mistress came forward to tell her side of things. So they found the bodies, and this is kind of where we're going to get into some of the, the gruesome details, at least a few of them. Obviously, they had to wait for autopsies to find out exactly what happened, but essentially, the there, there were signs of strangulation on Shanann, and both of the little girls had been smothered to that to death. And after that, they were stuffed into oil containers on one of his job sites, on a the work two site. Girls. The two girls. So one in each container. Yep. And the openings to these containers were yep. eight inches in diameter. Yeah. So he had to really work to, he had to shove, shove their in. bodies in there. And that's it, a really small opening. He was actually so rough that some of Bella's bones were broken. And I believe it was Celeste, um, chunks of her hair had been ripped out yes. because, you know, eight inches in diameter yeah. is a really small hole. Yeah. So he had to take his babies and he had to shove them into an eight inch space while he watched bits of them get ripped off and felt their bones break in his hands. And then not even four hours later, pretend like none of that had happened. And four hours later, he went to work. Well, that's when the police were at his house. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was, he did he was this at, at work. Yeah. He went, he went to work. So, the girls' bodies were actually so saturated in crude oil that they couldn't risk flying them home because they might spontaneously combust and cause the plane to explode. That's crazy. Right? Now, the girlfriend's story, Nikki Kessinger's story... And this is a different Nikki from the Nicole that we were referring to earlier, just to confirm. She basically says that they met at work. They worked together. He lied and said he was almost fully divorced. And yet some things occur in her timeline in this few months that don't really add up to that. For example, she Googles things like dating a married man. Or finding, you know, searching for wedding dresses. Like right. things she spent two hours searching for wedding dresses. So she's she's clearly after two months with someone. It's that's really a little, intense. Yeah. Really intense. She also expressed to him that she feared playing second fiddle to his children, which quite frankly, sweetheart, you should. She did say that? Yeah. So to the officers when she came forward, she said that she had never, ever expressed any mm. jealousy towards his family or the girls at all. And that she, she literally said never about five times. She absolutely had, which is kind of crazy. So after he confesses, her computer history shows her also looking up, do people hate, oh crap, what was her name? Amanda Fry? Yes, uh, Scott Peterson's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who killed his wife, Lacey killed, Peterson. Exactly. So Scott Peterson and um, then, right, k- killed his pregnant wife, Lacey Peterson. Yeah. And Amanda Fry, who had been proven to have nothing to do with it, she's gone on to live a perfectly well-adjusted life at this point. So she has written a book. Mm-hmm. So what's her name? Uh, Nikki also Googles how much did Amanda get from... Right, her, her book, book deal. Mm. How messed up is that? It's like it's she's looking to capitalize on this. Exactly, 
exactly. No, thank you. I'm not reading your book. So something else that occurred is basically she expresses that she had no idea that Shannon was pregnant at the time. But one of the other things she Googles is um, not only that, but uh, the the bit about like Lacey Peterson's ex-husband and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But um, she Googles like what it's like to be the mistress to a married man of a pregnant wife or something like that. So clearly she did know, but she just denied knowing up until that point. I mean, what did she think? They weren't going to find out? It's like, guys... I don't care if you delete all of your search history, like someone out there there. is going to be able to find it. It's forever. And if you haven't realized that by now, it's, it's like the idea of, you know, internet photos and stuff. They say like, don't take pictures of yourself and post them if you don't want the world to see them because they will, the world will see them forever. So anyway, so Chris's confession causes an arrest. He pleads guilty to first degree murder. They take the death penalty off the table because per Shanann's parents. Right. Because, well, first of all, I think the death penalty in cases like this should be taken off the table. And I think it should just be like a prison sentence without parole, but they should just be in isolation and it'll be miserable. But anyway, um, so he's still at this point alleging that he didn't kill the girls. So he pleads guilty to all of the counts, in, including, including the deaths yeah. of the girls. But he's still saying, no, I didn't kill them. He's a newborn Christian behind bars. And finally, he decides to come clean and recounts what actually happened. He still just has not explained the why factor to this point. So he killed Shanann first. And their unborn baby, Nico. He strangled her. And he actually recounts what she did as she was dying. He was looking into her eyes. Right. And he said that she just kind of got calm and he he thought she was praying. So. That's. Yeah, that's, that's a little intense. That's disturbing. Also. There are no signs of struggle. Um, so her parents are firm in their belief that that's not what happened, that he just killed her while she was sleeping because there's no way that she would not have fought back. Right. Yeah. Like at all. Yeah. Which I kind of believe, like after watching videos of her, she's a strong personality yeah, and a strong person. Exactly. She's not someone to just give up. Right. Sort of thing. Especially being pregnant. Right. Right. I don't buy that. Mama bear instinct is going to kick in. Then he backed up his truck and he basically wrapped her body in a sheet and laid her body into the floor of the pickup truck. In the back seat. In the back seat. And then he strapped in his living, his live daughters. They were still alive. In the back seat. In the back seat. With their mother. And they kept saying... What happened to mommy? What's wrong with her? What's wrong with mommy? Because she's clearly dead, visibly dead and wrapped in a sheet in the back seat. He kept telling them she'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So then he drove them all out to a site, buried their mother in a shallow grave. Face down. Before killing each of them. So he actually smothered Celeste first. 
And he did so with the New York Yankees blanket that he had basically wrapped them up in for the ride. Bella was still alive watching him do this. Bella, yeah. Bella watched him kill Celeste. And then when he went for her, he's admitted that she said, Daddy, no. There were also signs that she fought back, but was obviously no match for him. Right, because she was four. Right. So he claims that none of this was premeditated, that he just snapped. But the funny thing is, you really don't snap for, like, hours on end. Also, there are signs of premeditation in this case. For, for example, the work site that he buried them at, there was supposed to be a team of guys there that morning when he buried them and when he l- disposed of their bodies, essentially. And... Prior to... He had texted them the night before. Right. Prior to any of this happening, any of this starting, he said, hey, guys, don't come into work tomorrow. And they were like, well, we were planning on being there. And he was like, well, there's no sense in all of us being there. So... I got it. Don't come. (sighs) So, crazy. Now, as for his girlfriend, Nikki, she's never been charged with anything. She's kind of gone into hiding, if you will. I don't really know what her current status is. Um, I don't care what her current status is. That's fair. And a lot of people really believe that she only came forward to kind of get ahead of the press. Like we mentioned, there are definitely signs that point to lies in her story. And then... As for the, the final victim, if you will, as the house at 2825 Saratoga Trail in Frederick, Colorado, it's actually still there. If you pull up the address, it's actually Erie, Colorado. And what's really weird is I texted you the picture last night because yeah. I was like late last night looking it up on, on, on my end. And it says Christopher Watts is the owner and it just has his name written there because technically, even though he's in prison, it's he's still the owner of the house. And they changed the address, right? This is the one they changed the address? So, or one of? One of, yeah. There, there have been a few. So with this one, they don't, they haven't published anything. Like, I could not find the listing, but it is actively listed at this point. But this is the address technically speaking in frederick colorado however it comes up as erie colorado so i don't know that's odd i know it's weird but um anyway so you know it's listed for sale it's been previously up for auction but no bites i mean can you blame anybody right and the home has kind of become this just strange memorial for the victims in the house and it's weird. Like if, if you look at pictures, there's like stuffed animals and things out in the front yard and, and all of that. I think they've moved them since they've been trying to show it. It is listed. And in most cases, when you have like a, a listing, you've got all these details about the house and everything. And in this one, it basically just says it's only being shown to qualified buyers. They have to show either proof of funds or, you know, proof of a mortgage prior to. And the house itself is also tied up in legal limbo. So there are numerous liens on the property, tax liens, HOA liens, a variety of unpaid bills. Chris technically owes Shanann's parents $6 million from private litigation, a settlement from private lit- litigation. And so really 
this house would have to be with that the house would have to be sold for far more than it's worth but it's actually undervalued i I think they're just trying to get rid of it right because who wants that right right so there's the part of me that hopes that no one will buy it but at the same time as long as this house is like standing and active it's basically just this visual and constant reminder to everyone involved of what happened so it's it's almost like if someone buys it and tears it down and rebuilds a different house on the property at least the family would get some peace or something you know what i mean yeah. I, I don't know i'm kind of torn on this one as for chris well he is still in prison and he actually has a few girlfriends crazy which is ridiculous crazy. and he also has a grandmother type who kind of started as a pen pal she she writes for like a local paper and she ended up writing a book called Letters from Christopher, which was based on their correspondence to one another. Um, and she basically just wanted to offer him an opportunity to come clean. So that's that's sort of an interesting tale yeah. of it. Um, but yeah, that's that is in summary. I know there's so much more detail that we could go into. That is the the Watts family murder. Oh, and he is in jail for life. Yeah. There's forever. no way that he's getting out. Forever the judge was like, yeah, no. Um, they- actually, the judge said, "I ha- don't, guess what? Yeah. I have a quote. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the judge said um, at the end of, it wasn't really a trial mm-hmm. so much because he pled guilty to everything. Right. He just walked in and was like, yeah, you know, I know it's coming. Right. So the judge says. This is possibly the most inhumane and vicious crime that I have handled out of the thousands of cases that I have seen. And anything less than the maximum sentence would depreciate the seriousness of this offense. Which I was like, yep, you nailed it. Yeah, that's right. For real. So he is never getting out of jail right? ever. He's got like multiple life sentences. Mm -hmm. No chance of parole. Yep. Because, you know, he killed his entire family for nothing. For literally nothing. Absolutely. It's, uh, it was an exhausting one to research. It really was. And I will never understand the mindset. Mm-mm. Um, Because, I, I mean, and so many people have said it. So many people have said it. Just get divorced. Right. Like, like why? I mean, he alleges that Shanann told him. So they had a fight that morning. Yeah. Um, before he killed her. Right. Um, and he says that he told her about his affair and... Mm-hmm. Um, she basically said, you'll said never see the divorce. kids. Yeah. And she said, yeah, you'll never see the kids right. ever again. And that's when he snapped. Which is total bullshit. Yeah. But it's, you know, it, we, we, we're we never going to get him to confess, you know? Right. Maybe we can Maybe. go in there. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... That is the story. Like we said, we will not be on next week. Um, I'm going to be on vacation. And at this point, it's a much deserved vacation. I'm going to be home. She's going to be home, but she's going to let my chickens out. So that's That's right. I'll be here. Yeah. (laughs) So she's going to be at my house. Maybe she'll record something for herself, but I'll have my laptop. So good luck with that. Uh, Oh, I guess I won't. Um, All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Make sure that you are uh, downloading and hitting like if you can and following our podcast. You can. That's on if you can. 
you can. You can. So do, do it. it. <laughs> do it. Uh, rate us on Apple if you are a listener on Apple, because that's awesome. Or wherever you listen that allows ratings, except for Spotify, because Spotify, you're silly for not allowing ratings. It's lame. Anyway. It's okay. It's fine. We still love you. And uh, yeah, make sure you check out our Patreon if you haven't already, because you can get uh, un... Well, basically, it's like the the, the entire show... No commercials now that we have commercials. And you usually get it a day or two early if mama's on her editing game. Hi, mama. So it's not me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye.